Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. Hey everybody, this is Kyle V, host of the Ozark Podcast. If you like the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast, we have a show for you. We sit down with local outdoorsmen of Arkansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma to talk all things hunting, fishing, conservation, history, and culture in the Ozark Mountains region. Just like the outdoorsmen who live here, we follow the seasons and interview regional experts to discuss the pursuits of hunting turkeys, bears, and whitetail, as well as the science behind their conservation. Join me and my co-host Kyle Plunkett every Wednesday and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Southern Outdoors Podcast. I got the uh, ginger bow hunter on the line whose turkey season is all but in the toilet because he's only hunted twice. And also, we've got a guy who's been slocking some turkeys in Georgia, Mr. Uh, Shane Turpin. Shane, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. Jacob, how are you doing? Uh, other than just working working every day for the most part, dude, that's been doing good. Uh, I know y'all been getting out and getting out some turkeys so uh, shane we're kind of excited to talk to you about some georgia hunting uh, especially going into may since y'all have one of the latest seasons uh, in the southeast uh, so andrew i'll kind of let you jump in from there mm-hmm. okay yeah uh so i i reached out first of all shane you were one of the first people that bought a leather patch southern outdoorsman hat and you went out and pretty much immediately killed a giant buck am i correct <laughs> I, yes, I did. I, I got pretty lucky. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that hat. Maybe I posted it. I thought that was the coolest looking hat. So I got it. And it was literally like, what, two or three days later that 
I uh, I went out to pub some public land and got that got that really nice buck. Oh, dude, he was a stud. That was a huge buck, man. Especially the body. I mean, golly. Yeah, that's that's what was the most impressive. I've never, never, especially in Georgia, never seen a deer, you know, with that size of body. Somebody had been feeding that thing pretty well. Yeah. That was a, you said that was like a kind of an overlooked spot, right? This is a turkey podcast, but it, I can't help but ask you about right, this. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Um, this WMA, specific WMA, is uh, only has two, I think two rifle hunts uh, each season. Um, so this was actually, it was opening day of muzzleloader season here in Georgia for the whole state. Um, and it was actually an early season rifle hunt at this specific WMA. Um, so there was a ton of pressure. I'd went for three days straight and just couldn't get away from anybody. Um, and I kept going by this one spot that was, I mean, only 500 yards on each side. There was other trucks parked. So I just went in there one morning. Uh, well, actually, even before I went in there and scouted a little bit, found a little bit of sign and found a really hot uh, tree, a hot feed tree. One, the, really the only tree that had been dropping at the time um and just kind of set up on it and just got lucky i mean he come out at i mean five minutes after shooting light mm -hmm. is it pretty thick in there yes it, where he came from was very thick um i was kind of sitting up on the on a ridge it was, it was all pines and um kind of had a hardwood bottom and it was super thick yeah and uh, he came up out of like the drainage that runs down in between the ridge down into the bottom he was walking that drainage up straight to that oak tree that I had found the day before. Interesting. Cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, I, I love the deer stuff. I've been, you know, turkey season for me in Alabama, I'm used to ending at the end of April. And so my brain after years of conditioning is like starting to pull back towards deer. And I'm like, I'm, start, right. I'm starting to get a little deer crazy right now. Like oh, I yeah. want oh, to go yeah. scout, but I got a Georgia license. And I and I've already killed one in Georgia, and I feel like I could probably kill at least one more. And y'all go to yeah. May fifteenth. May fifteenth, yes. Yeah. So we've got we've got three more weeks, and I know a lot of states are already closing. They're already closed. Yeah, we'll be done on May third this year, which is the latest that I've ever hunted in Alabama in my life. It's never went into May that I can remember. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. But I mean, for for Alabama hunters right now, there's a all over facebook you're like you, everybody's like they still gobbling Are they still gobbling are they gobbling at this wma and it's getting to that point in the season where i think people lose confidence because it's so late and maybe the yeah. gobblers just aren't as cooperative and right. for alabamians myself included this time of year a lot of people are the good the really good hunters usually tagged out by now uh, right. A lot of people have quit, and there's a few people that are, are still grinding out. So for that reason, it's pretty hard to find somebody who's like really, at least in Alabama, who really knows about this late season hunting stuff. At least that I've found. Right. Um, so I thought, well, I'll look in Georgia, and I found you. Uh, you actually did you call one up this morning? I did. Well, I wouldn't say we called one up. We kind of got lucky this morning, um, but my buddy did kill. We got him his first long beard this morning. Um, mm -hmm. We we hunted one property. Um, this morning, you know, it's it really windy. I'm sure it is where you guys are at, too. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's been windy the past three or four days. Um, we went to this first property, didn't hear anything. I mean, he wouldn't have been able to hear anything, uh, really. So we go to this to his, to his another property. This is this is private land. Um, and he's got a horse pasture. We walk in the horse pasture, and it's got a little old log cabin in it. And um, we kind of used that as cover. And as soon as we rounded the log cabin, I was walking with a um, 
what do you call it, a chicken on a stick, a little shredder decoy, mm-hmm. just just for a little bit of cover. And they were, I mean, we rounded the corner and they were sitting there strutting. There was four of them. Um, I don't know, fifteen yards, but we had we had the train to our advantage because they were kind of on the downside of a hill. So I just kind of I just was looking through the fan and I just seen their heads sticking up. There's or the fan, they're tending their tail fans first. So I kind of just got down and my buddy was behind me and I said, if you're going to shoot him, you better get up and shoot him. So he stood up and shot him and <laughs> shot one of them. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, today was more more luck than anything, but we'll take them how we can get them. <laughs> oh yeah, no doubt. Hey, half of turkey hunting is luck, I think. But anyways, uh, so getting into this, this late season, again, like late season turkey hunting, um, I'm excited to talk to you about it because you said you've killed a couple in May over the years or you usually kill one in May every year. Um, and I'm wondering if you're having the same kind of experiences that I've had, which we'll cover my story more in depth in the outro. Cause like we're interviewing you, not me, but over the last two weeks, I killed that Turkey, which everyone heard about last week. And since then I missed another Turkey. Um, I shot a tree and he was doing the exact same thing as the last one. Um, which is basically getting in a spot and strutting and spitting and drumming and occasionally gobbling and just like refusing to move. Uh, so yes. I want to kind of dig into this with you about kind of what the turkeys are doing right now uh, throughout at least the places that you hunt in Georgia. Maybe tell us where you hunt in Georgia, like the general region, uh, and then kind of right. dive into what the turkeys are doing right now. Okay. So um, I'm kind of really in this west central Georgia, um, right on, I mean, I'm five minutes from the Alabama line. So, I mean, right dead center of Georgia, right on the Alabama line. So it's weird. So I got a WMA that I hunt a lot, about 40 minutes south of my house. Um, this past week, I hunted it, I think, three days and didn't hear a single gobble. Well, I, I take that back. I heard a couple gobbles on the roost. But once they fly down, I mean, it's completely silent. It's dead. Um, hunted those, I mean, up till, I don't know, 11, 12 o'clock and just didn't hear anything. Um, so the past couple of days, I've went about 40, 45 minutes north of me which is more, I guess, uh, more mountainous, I guess you could say. Um, and those turkeys there are fired up this week. I mean, they're absolutely fired up. Um, okay. Now. That's, yeah, that's kind of general area. Where we, sorry, where are we going with that? <laughs> well, so the turkeys around, like, your kind of home area, the, maybe the southern part of what you just talked about, I mean, are they just, or do they seem uninterested? Are they flocking back it, yeah, up? Um, yeah, well, last, okay, so last week we did get on a couple birds. Um, it seems like they're, they're acting really call shy, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're gobbling really good on the roof, so gobble a couple times when they're flying down, but it seems like when you call to them, they're not responding at all. I mean, normally late season, these birds have been called at and called at and called at. Um, they've seen everything you got to throw at them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, 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 it's really tough. Yeah. That um, we've got a couple, I mean, a couple last week, we did get on an, another bird last week that started gobbling about nine o'clock. Um, but again, he gobbled to the call two or three times and then just shut up and we sat on him for an hour and never seen him and he never met another peep. Yeah. Um, to me, it just seems like these birds that we're getting on when we're calling to them, I mean, I don't, I don't generally, I mean, I don't really call a whole lot. If I'm on a bird, I'll call every five minutes or so, maybe a little more. So I don't feel like I'm necessarily over calling, but it just seems like they're, they're really call shy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
I don't know what the deal is with that. But it seems like, I mean, we're getting into the late season, and, and I would imagine, I guess that's why um, a lot of these birds, I mean, the, the, the pressure this year on public land has been just insane. But I know with the uh, with the virus, a lot of people aren't aren't able to work. Um, so I know these birds are getting extra pressure, um, especially um, usually they don't see a lot of pressure this late in the season. A lot of people have, like you said, a lot of people have kind of gave up or or tagged out one or the other. Yeah, that's definitely a thing that I'm hearing in Alabama as well. Uh, is I mean, you typically just don't see this many people still out in the woods, and I mean, it is still. Right. And, you know, it's still like the second week of season out there, at least in some of the places that I hunt. Um, yeah. I mean, there's just still, like, plenty of people, plenty of people out there. Um yeah. So, why don't you, we'll, we'll kind of run into it this way. Why don't you tell us, a, like, a story of uh, maybe, like, the last bird you killed in May and kind of the circumstances behind it. Or just maybe, like, a good representative story of a bird you killed in May, and we'll talk about it and kind of unpack that hunt and everything. Yeah. Okay, so um, last year, um, this was on, it was actually on private land, but uh, it's pretty pressured private land. Um, the birds were kind of doing the same thing. They would gobble a little bit on the roost, and they would fly down, and they just wouldn't respond. Um, so basically, last year, I was sitting, uh, where was I? Oh, I was. I went up on a pine ridge. Uh, this this gobbler was, was gobbling on the roost, up on the ridge. Um Flew down, shut up, um, gobbled a couple times um, on the ground, and then shut up. I sat on him for, I don't know, maybe an hour, didn't hear anything. Um, so I moved down to a field down below the ridge that I had seen him in um, kind of late mornings and stuff in the past. Um, so I went down there and just basically just sat up, sat a, a hen decoy out and just, just sat there and um, called probably every 15, 20 minutes and just, just kind of almost – basically just deer hunted him and um the turkey actually ended up coming out into the field i don't know about 10 o'clock 10 30 and um he as he was coming down the ridge he actually gobbled twice um to one of my calls that i i'd called um probably 30 minutes before and hadn't heard anything and he did gobble coming down the hill and then he showed up again and i didn't make any more calls and he, from the time he gobbled, it probably took him 45 minutes to come out into that field, and he was less than 100 yards from me the whole time. Um, so basically, I mean, it seems like you just got to be patient this this time of year. If you hear a bird gobble, I mean, most of your hands have already been bred uh, for the most part, and your gobblers are going to be alone. Um, so they're looking, you know, they're looking for that hen that hasn't been bred yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it just seems like in the past, uh, you just, I mean, I've had to deer on them. I've had to sit somewhere where I, where I know they go, you know, often, um, and just kind of set up and just wait. Yeah. And be where, where you think they want to be. I mean, it's really hard. It's been, I, I haven't really, I can't say I've really worked. I guess you could say worked a bird, uh, late season where they just gobble and, and come in and do it right. Like they're supposed to, mm-hmm. um, it just doesn't seem to ever work like that late season. Yeah. About this from, now, from now or this next week may be okay, but from then on it just seems like they, they're they not they're not really interested. Yeah, we always talk about, or, we, you know, when you talk about turkey hunting with guys, a lot of people will say that, you know, the later you get on into the season, as hens are starting to go to nest, it gets better and better and better, and they'll start losing their hens. And then usually about kind of mid-April, is at least in Alabama is when a lot of guys say it gets really good. 
Would you say that you think that we get kind of there's kind of a peak of when the turkey hunting's best, and then it kind of starts going back downhill? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed in the past um, the past two weeks have been pretty good. I've I've been seeing a lot of birds have been killed in the past two weeks, um, and this week it seems like it's died down a good bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, just this past week, and I know the weather weather's been kind of crappy. Uh, we've had a lot of rain, a lot of a lot of wind. Several storms have come through this week. Um, so I know that probably has a little bit of effect on them, but yeah. Um, yeah, it seems like about this time they, they start getting, I mean, pretty wary, pretty quiet. Um, yeah. a lot of times you, you don't come across them until, you know, midday or something like that. Yeah. I feel and, like I got, I got a theory and Michael Chamberlain on Mediator talked about this a little bit, but I've had a theory the last couple of years that all of the, like, Real receptive birds are all dead right now. I mean, they're right, really, especially yeah. this year. Absolutely, yeah, uh, yeah. Especially I mean, the numbers, this year, the harvest, the harvest rates this year have been, I mean, through the roof. I mean, it's it's insane. Yeah, so now you're uh, left with the stubborn turkeys that you know. Yeah, they just don't, they don't want to come running into you or anything. Maybe the older birds, or or maybe it's like a say, personality all trait. All the two year olds, all them two year olds we like to hunt are, are already dead. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're they're all gone. Either that or or you know maybe I, I've been trying to find some um, either uh, overlooked turkey spots or hard to access spots, and I feel like I've been having pretty good luck with that lately. Yep. Is yep. that is that something that you've ever implemented? Yeah, we actually started doing that for the first time this year. The specific WMA I've hunted it for years, and um, it's actually there's a river that runs right through the middle of it, um, and I've never really. I mean, I thought about accessing it from the river, but never done it. Um, and this year, I just started doing that. We got a we got a fourteen foot canoe with just a trolling motor. That's all we got. And um, we've been using that to access some of these spots. We've been hearing these birds. We've been accessing them from the river. And uh, it seems of it's well, it's paid off three times this year already. Um, so that's that's one of the new things that I've put in um, accessing from from that spot. Now a lot of WMAs you're not going to be able to do that, but um. It seems, you know, nobody's doing it right now. I mean, yeah, we haven't ran anybody, any, you know, anybody that's accessing from that side. Mm-hmm. Now, you, uh, a minute ago, you mentioned that the the next, basically, over the next week, we're still we're still in like pretty decent, you know, turkey hunting time. But after that is when it starts to get really tough. Over right. the, over this next week, what are some tactics that you would recommend? Like what's worked for you in the past and what do you feel like the birds are going to be doing over this next week? Um, really what I, I mean, when coming into late season, I don't like to do a lot of calling at all. Um, just like I said earlier, I think they get call shy. I think they've heard it all. Um, and I'm not the greatest caller. So I, I just try to keep quiet. Um, Going into it first thing in the morning, I don't use any locator calls. Because, um, again, I think they've kind of honed in on hunters. Because, um, I mean, you got on some of these WMAs and you just hear people blowing out either. Crow calls just, you know, like crazy first thing in the morning. Um, so that's one thing I, I don't do. I just go in and I listen. And I'll just listen. You know, I'll stay in one spot for the first 30, 45 minutes and move a little to another ridge and just listen. And um, basically just try to try to hear one then or go to go to a spot where I've heard one before and, and, you know, just listen. Um, but it seems like, um, just basically setting up or not, you're not really able to set up on them. Um, 
Where you, sorry, where are you going with that? I kind of got lost there. <laughs> like, uh, like over this next week, like what what the turkeys are doing, uh, like where where they're at as far as gobbling and being receptive to calling versus what you're trying to do to kill them. You know, at at this time, basically over the next week until let's say like May the third, from now until May the third. Right. Yeah. I mean, right now I'm I'm kind of taking it like I normally would. Um, because like I said, right now in, in in the the northern part of the state, it seems like these birds are still really receptive to calls. Um, today actually, um, after my buddy had killed that bird, I said there was four of them, so three of them flew off. And about thirty minutes later, I called, and they they were very receptive to the call, but they weren't. They didn't come to us obviously because I I didn't wasn't able to get one. But they gobbled. I mean, probably to every single time I called. So those birds up there are still really receptive to the call. Um, so I'll be I'll be going up that way and hunting this week, and hopefully um, those birds are still you know still pretty receptive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but in the future, I mean, like I said, it, it seems like I, I mean I do a lot of just kind of sitting on them late season, just going to where I think they're going to be or where I've seen them in the past, um, and getting away from where other hunters are. I mean, on this public land, especially late season. I mean. Like you said, most of the birds have, have been killed or, or the, you know, the really responsive ones have been killed. Um, so staying away from where other people are, I, I, I like to use this time to kind of scout too and, and hunt new areas that I generally haven't hunted before um, for maybe for, you know, to hunt in the future. Yeah. Now, but generally, we'll go ahead. No, go ahead. You're good. I was just going to ask, uh, this time of year, is there anything that you see them kind of using more than normal? Any habitat type? Like, are you seeing them more in some certain kind of pine stand? Are they hanging out in the hardwood bottoms, which is typically, I guess, kind of an early season thing? But, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, do you get my drift of that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been seeing them. I mean, it's weird, but I've been seeing them out in the fields and in, in clear cuts. Uh, I actually missed the turkey uh, Wednesday. Um, probably should have never shot at him. He was actually a little bit too far away, but we were, uh, we had a turkey gobbling up on the clear He would not leave that clear cut. And, um, the turkeys we got on today were in the fields, um, and just driving around in general. I've seen a lot of turkeys in fields right now. Um, I guess they're out maybe looking for hens out in the fields, close to nesting areas. Um, maybe hanging out closer to those, um, Generally, and, and in the past, I've seems like late season. I've I've killed a lot of turkeys in fields. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get, maybe it has something to do with the bugs or something. Yeah, and, and yeah, it could have a lot to do with that too. I didn't really think of it that way, but mm-hmm. yeah, definitely could have something to do with that. Yeah, because uh, I'm. But I mean, it's, it's different for every. You know, every area is different. I mean, I've I've seen that just from hunting these. You know, going thirty minutes north, thirty minutes south. I mean, the birds act completely different. It's just wild. Yeah, that's something that uh, Dave Owens has talked about a lot um, over the last couple of years is if the turkeys aren't acting right where you're at, don't be afraid to just drive, you know, half an hour, an hour or two hours if you got the time to just go right. try a different place because they might be just losing it, you know, in a, a different area. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of that this year. I've hunted a lot of places that I've never hunted before, uh, and it's worked out in my favor. Um I killed one bird. The first bird I killed this year was the very first time I stepped on that piece of public land. Um, so I got lucky with him. He was, you know, he was fired up that morning and I killed him right off the race. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Jacob, you got, uh, you got any questions? You're being awful quiet over there. 
<laughs> well, I was going to say, when it comes to turkey hunting, I'm not the guy to ask anything. <laughs> Clearly, that has been me this season. Uh, work has just been, I mean, changing everything I do when it comes to this spring. But, you know, I think it's cool, though, to have opportunities to be able to hunt later in the season, uh, yeah. you know, compared to other states, you know, saying like, you know, Alabama, Mississippi, uh, Arkansas, you know, Tennessee, all those states, you know, Georgia going to – do they always – do you all always go to the 15th or is it always just sometime around there? It's, I believe, I'm pretty sure it's always May 15th. Okay, got you. So, I mean, you know, the opportunity to be able to go halfway through May is a pretty cool experience. I guess, especially if you had, you know, just a bunch of land you could work, whether publicly or privately, and I think it'd be really fun. But, you know, is, is there anything you like about hunting, like, later in the season versus early season? Uh, or is it just more of a grind for you and you're just trying to get through and trying to get, you know, your last bird or ever how many tags you might have left field? Yeah, it's, it's I mean, I just love being out there. Um I just have, I'm passionate about it. I mean, I try to go, I think I've missed two days this year and that was just because of, you know, storms or something like that. Um, so we're blessed to be able to go those extra, you know, two or three weeks more than anybody else. Um, but it's a grind, but like I said, I just love to do it. So, so I get up every morning and I go, if I got a tag left, I still got one tag left in my pocket. So hopefully, uh, hopefully I can feel that in the next week. And, um, be done. I was hoping to get done a little earlier and get to come over there to Alabama and hunt a little bit, but uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that this year. Hopefully I can uh, get over there next season. <laughs> yeah, I hear that, man. I definitely hear that. Um, when it comes to turkey hunting this time of year, do you think there's any value in maybe kind of sacrificing some hunts and just kind of like really hardcore scouting, you know, planning for next season? I mean, obviously still try to hunt, but really kind of shift your focus towards maybe trying to find new areas for the, you know, the upcoming season. Right. Yeah, I do. I think that's, I mean, that's what I do a lot. Like I said, I move around a lot. Like I, I try to check out some areas that I've never been before. Um, and, and in hopes to find a bird that, you know, nobody's got to, nobody's been to yet. You know, um, I do a lot of walking around during late season. Um, and if I find some, you know, some really good sign, I'll set up on it, but, yeah, I like to. I like to find new areas. I'll, I'll even try, you know, new WMAs that I've never been to. Just like you said, just to find something for maybe next year. Just some hot sign for some for next year. Just try to find where the birds are at. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, one of one of Jacob's buddies, Kyle, right? Jacob, is it Kyle? Yeah, Kyle sides. He he cleaned up this year in National Forest. And, yeah, and he and he he uh, said that he basically owes that success to scouting that he did last year so shane a question i got for you is you know maybe maybe it's late in the season maybe some guys you know maybe he's tagged out maybe he's having a rough year and he's just kind of he's kind of losing it and he wants Uh to go to a new place what do you look for first of all when you're going to a new area to to scout slash hunt and then also when you're there what are some things that make you think like okay this might be a good spot for next year um pressure for one um i mean a lot of times you can tell if people have been in there a lot um and getting away getting going deep um i, I just mainly I'll, I'll walk till i just find some good good habitat i mean um i i, I stick, st- typically stick to ridges um you know ridges run down the hardwood bottoms and stuff like that um it seems like that's that's where they always hang out um mm-hmm. but uh is a is there any kind of like 
um, any kind of habitat feature or anything like that that you look for on a map that maybe keys you in on an area? Um, not necessarily. Um, I, I do a lot. I mean, I do a little bit of map, map scouting, you know, as much as I can, but I, I'm more boots on the ground. Um, basically just, just walking, walking as far as I can. Um, and just scouting. That's, that's your best sign there. I mean, that you, you can find some sign and, and just listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not really any specific habitat necessarily. I mean, I've seen them and, and I mean, I, it's hard to, to narrow it down. It seems like they're, they're just somewhere different. <laughs> they'll be in the hardwood bottoms one day. They'll be up on a pine ridge the next day and they'll be in, um, you know, I mean, we killed a bird, the earlier this season that was i mean it was some pretty thick stuff something you wouldn't think you would you know kill a turkey in but um Mm -hmm. yeah it's different it's just different in in every area and like i said i just like to get out and uh just boots on the ground just scouting and listening that's that's really the best thing you can do yeah now uh another thing i wanted to ask about is i know we're kind of in a little bit of a cold snap right now but this time of year is when it really especially you know deep south florida bama mississippi georgia uh, this is when the heat really starts to kick up is, you know, over the next two or three weeks. And it's it's going to start right. getting real warm real quick. Uh, right. Do you see turkeys kind of really select for certain cover types in hot weather? Like, are they going to places to avoid the heat? Or do you think they just really don't care at all? Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, I it seems like, you know, early morning, it's still, I mean, it's kind of cool. And it, and we've uh, seen them in the fields and stuff early morning, but it seems like, you know, later on in the day, you, you won't see them out in the open anywhere. Um, seems like you always find them in creek bottoms and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty similar to uh, where I just missed that one the other day. I mean, he was in like a, he's in a weird spot. He's in this kind of secluded spot and it was like very cool, which again, we'll dive into it on the outro, yeah. but but I, it just seemed like he was trying to avoid the heat. So that's something I've been wondering about more and more. And, you know, wondering if the heat is something you could actually use to your advantage. You know, if it's hot, you know, maybe you could narrow it down to a certain place they might go to. Absolutely. I, I, and, and that's what I would do, too. I mean, normally, I mean, if it's a hot day and, and you're hunting later on in the day, you might as well, I mean, you might as well get off those ridges and off out of them open areas because those turkeys aren't going to be there if it's super hot. I mean, they're going to be down in the bottoms in the shade. Um, so I'll focus on areas that, you know, I've found good sign in, you know, down in Creek bottoms or I've heard them before and, and I'll focus on those kind of areas, especially, you know, later on in the day when it, when it's really starting to get hot. What is good sign to you right now? Um, I mean, really, I mean, good, fresh scratching, um, poop, um, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you, you kept mentioning earlier that this time of year, like you're, you're, it sounds like your your whole game plan is just go in, find fresh sun, and call lightly, which I love. You know, like the the, the simple tactics always seem to work the best, and I love your approach. Yeah. So I'm like, wh- I'm wondering about what kind of calls you're using right now. I mean, are are there any kind of calls you're avoiding? Are there any kind of calls that you're favoring? Uh, like, what are your call sequences normally looking like? Uh, not really. I mean, late season, you got to try everything in the book. <laughs> it seems like. <laughs> To get them to gobble, I mean, I, 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 got, uh, I got a slate call, I got a glass call, I got a box call, I got several different mouth calls, um, and I'll just use different ones until I can get one to gobble. Um, 
like I said, they've heard it all. Uh, you just got to find that one thing that they hadn't heard and, you know, maybe you can get them fired up that way. So, so but no, like, not really. you'll run through like a sequence of different kinds of calls? Yeah, like, I mean, just, I mean, mainly just soft yelping, some clucks and purrs, just normal. Um, I, I don't really ever get too loud with it, um, especially late in the season. Like I said, I believe they're they're pretty call shy. But um, but I'll change it up. I'll use a mouth call, and then I'll I'll switch over to a glass, you know. But I, I won't call very often. I'll call every twenty to thirty minutes or so. Um, and I, you know, I'll sit in the area for you know maybe an hour. I mean, it's hard. We do enough sitting deer hunting for six months out of the year, so <laughs> it's kind of hard to just sit there and wait on them. But in the past, it seems like that's been the only way to be successful is kind of just sitting in an area where because they're they're not vocal. They're just not being vocal at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing you probably have a lot of experiences this time of year where they're coming in silent when they do come in. Yes, yes. Most most of them, they may give you one or two gobbles. Um, but, yeah, the few I've killed late in the season, they, they don't gobble coming in to the call. Um, maybe maybe once or twice. But really this late season, like I said, I try to hunt as much as I haven't been. Usually I've got at least two down by the end of the season. Um but uh yeah it's tough it, it gets real tough this time of year they aren't they aren't vocal um i know they're still looking but mm-hmm. they just don't aren't vocal at all <laughs> when when you think about all the turkeys that you've killed late season over the years are there any similarities between all of them um really probably they've mostly been uh it's really been early morning off not necessarily off the roost, but um, no, not really early morning. About mid morning in the fields have been been what I've I've had success on. Um, them coming, they would say come in silent. I use a hand decoy, and I usually come into it. Uh, not usually, but the, in the past they have. Um, but really, that's that's really all the. I haven't really killed any late season, um, any really many woods turkeys. They've all been in the fields. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Uh, now these field field birds. You said you use a hen decoy a lot. I mean, what what is your what is your whole decoy strategy? Are you using anything besides a hen decoy? Uh, are you ever like trying to fan yeah. them on public or private land or anything like that? Um, not normally. Um, we I did try fanning. We fanned a turkey this morning. Um, kind of we kind of more more or less used it as cover we more more or less snuck up on them they didn't come into the fan but no normally i I won't use um most of the time i don't use any decoys unless i'm in a field if i'm in a field i'll I'll put out a hen decoy but um most of the time if i'm hunting in the woods i I won't i won't use a decoy yeah um i meant to ask you this a second ago when we were talking about calling uh this this time of year do you do you just like never do like a really aggressive like cutting sequence? Do you feel like that might scare a gobbler, or kind of turn them um, off at least? No, I mean I will. Um, I mean if I get frustrated, I'll do it. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean a lot of times, it, I mean that works. I mean you get really aggressive. You you know you cut really loud. You may get you may get one to just shot gobble at you and and you know where he's at. Um, but not. No, I mean I won't do it a lot, but. Yeah, I mean, if I'm getting ready to go, I'll, I'll do it. If I'm getting ready to leave an area or something like that, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll cut real loud and, you know, yelp real loud, you know, and just really get on it just to see if I can pull one out pretty much. Yeah, just kind of like choke a gobble out of him. Yeah, 
I mean, basically, yeah. I mean, a lot of times you can do that. And, and that may be the only one you get out of him, but sometimes that's enough to let you know where he's at. Let's say you get that that gobble out of him and, and you get – what? let's say maybe he gobbles at you being, doing something loud or maybe he gobbles at a crow or a woodpecker or something and you know mm-hmm. where he is. How close are you trying to get to that bird before you start making calls to him? Um, normally, I mean, I normally I don't like to get in closer than about a hundred yards. I mean, it just depends on the terrain. Mm-hmm. Um, it just depends if if I know I can. I mean, I'll get as close as I as as close as I possibly can. But I've had I've had pretty bad experiences on uh, trying to get too close to turkeys. Um, I've spooked a lot of turkeys, you know trying to get too close so typically i, I mean about 100 yards is about as close as i want to get mm-hmm. and then around what but again it depends on the terrain well so what is a situation where you would set up more than 100 yards from a bird um it, and, and open woods mm-hmm. open you, woods like i said it depends on the terrain um, if I've got a ridge in between, I mean, I'll, I'll circle around and get on that ridge. You know, I'll make, I'll take the long way around just to avoid <clears throat> him, you know, seeing me. Yeah. Are there any kind of features that, that you just like absolutely won't let, let them be between you and him? Like, like, do you always try to get on his side of a ditch or his side of like a, I don't know, like a, like a row of thick pines or, or something like that? Like, uh, are there any obstacles that, that will really screw you up this year that maybe wouldn't screw you up at other times of year? Um, not necessarily. I mean, big, big steep bridges and stuff like that. Um, I'll try to get around on the, you know, kind of a lower side, easier side for him to come up around, um, if he's down in the bottom or something like that. But, um, and any kind of, you know, thickets or anything, I don't, I don't like to get, you know, I like to get on the other side of them. You know, I don't want to put too much in between me and him. Mm-hmm. Do you have better luck uh, with them gobbling right off the limb or later up later up into the day? Um, you mean this time right now, this time of year? Yeah. Um, and well, right now, um, they well, let's see the past the past week we got on a couple turkeys that gobbled about midday. Um, I say midday, more late morning, nine thirty, ten o'clock. Um, and they, they gobble a couple times and then you know, we try to call them in and they just shut up and go the other way. And a lot of times, and a couple of them, they gobble, but they'd be going the other way the whole time. They gobble every call, but they go the other way. Um, and you try to circle around on them. It's like, they go the other way. They go back to where you were. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, why do you think that is? Do you think that they, they have a hen or do you think that they're just, they're just like, no, you're coming to me. Yeah. I, a little bit of both. I mean, they could, they could have a hen. Um, but, um, this year I'm, I'm starting to believe it's, it's the calling. I, I believe that they're, they're this specific WMA anyways, these situations that I'm talking about that they have, uh, it's almost like they're running away from the call. Like they know something's different. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, these, these, this WMA has been pressured very hard this year. Um, I've never really had them do that until this year. Um, at least responding, but they're, you know, they're just, going away a lot of times you know they'll stay in the same spot and gobble um but it doesn't seem like they walk away from you and just still answer you every time but steadily just get further and further and further away but it could be you know a hand on the other side that we're just not hearing yeah mm-hmm. now we're uh we're coming up on about 40 minutes here so 
I want to ask you, Shane, what do you think is what do you think is the single most important thing for somebody to have success in the late season? Like your best tip for somebody. Um patience. Patience and, and trust your gut. I mean if you I mean you've been turkey hunting all season. Um you should have kind of a grip on where some birds are. Um like I said, you just got to be patient. Just go in there where you think they're going to be and just be patient. If you hear a bird, you can make a move on them. Um, but like I said, you just got to be real patient. Mm-hmm. They, they're not they're not very responsive, like you said. Yeah. Is there anything so that you good. would uh, suggest to not do this time of year? Um, don't, don't get too aggressive when you're calling. Because, um, I mean, especially if you're on public land. Private land's a little different. But they're all they're all turkeys. Um, but the just yeah, just don't be too aggressive with your calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacob, you got any uh, any any last thoughts here? Not really. I, I just know it's uh it's been a it's been a, a fast spring for me. The time has flown by, but it's good to kind of listen to you, Shane, and and everything that you've done uh, just kind of so far with this season. And hopefully, a lot of our listeners kind of can relate with some of this and on the aspect on you know seasons winding down in a lot of places hopefully people can kind of finish it strong and uh you know kind of look at this for next season i know like what we were talking about andrew uh about kyle how he sacrificed almost a whole season last year struggling on national forest just to learn the land and learn where the turkeys wanted to be and then use it to his advantage and tag out within eight days of the season um So, you know, it's not a bad time to start looking at that and doing that option right now as well. Just kind of figure out where there are still birds right now uh, and just the activities that and going in there and play your cards right. But, uh, Shane, dude, it's been great kind of hearing you kind of talk about, you know, how George has been for you and kind of how, you know, you use May to your advantage and, you know, maybe take a little more subtle approach to try and kill those turkeys. So, man, we appreciate it. Yes, sir. I th- thank you all. All right, everybody, and that will wrap up the episode with Shane. Shane, we want to thank you for coming on if you're listening. Uh, it was a good, it was a good conversation. What'd you think, Jacob? Yeah, it was fun, dude. Again, I think the experience and opportunity to be able to hunt, you know, halfway through May is is a pretty cool experience for anyone that's willing to try that. It just seems, you know, kind of tough from what he's talking about. Um, you know, birds not being overly vocal and you know almost have to you know pull up the deer hunting tactics for him. But you know, again, you know, if you can kill turkeys in in May, then why not try it? And put the opportunity down. But uh, anyways, dude, I know you've had some interesting encounters over this last week or so uh and uh some that actually were kind of surprising on what happened especially you know that kind of hot streak you're on but anyway i'll let you kind of jump into it from there so last week i only got to hunt twice the first time i went out and just absolutely just nothing i like i walked a long ways didn't hear anything didn't really see any sign uh and i basically abandoned the spot and i went to a different area and just kind of poked in there looking to see what it looked like uh and it got really windy and it was like mid-morning and it got real windy and i walk up into this area and it looked pretty good but i didn't really see any fresh sign right off the bat but the woods just kind of looked like you know they would hold turkeys it was kind of like a a pine hardwood mix and i mean you could see decent through it but not too good It, it was like very green i mean it's just I don't know, it just looked good along with the topography. It was kind of a nice ridge system with a lot of fingers. And I was sitting there, and it was all windy, and I did a little bit of calling. But I was like, you know what? Today kind of sucks. I can come back out here tomorrow, 
So I'm just going to leave and come back in the morning and, you know, not damage this because, you know, I'm sure that I could have a better hunt in the morning. So I went home and, you know, came back the next morning, got up there before daylight. And my plan was to get to the highest spot and just listen into these two different valleys and, you know, try and hear a gobble and, and get down there on it. And uh, I get up to the high spot and I think I thought I heard like a way, way far off gobble, like so far away that I don't even really know where it came from, like the direction. And it was kind of slow. And then right before six o'clock, one gobbled and he was like really close. I was like, oh, wow, there's one like right here on top of me somewhere. And I'm looking at the topo map and the way this sets up is there's kind of like a drainage coming off of the very top of this ridge that I'm on. So I'm on like the very tippy top little circle on top of the topo map and I'm standing right in the middle of that circle and there's a drainage coming down and uh where there's the drainage kind of it kind of shoots down and then it makes like a 90 degree turn you know it goes from uh going like east and west and then it kind of turns like southwest and there's like a corner right there in the ridge so right where the bend is in that bottom there's you know the ridge above that looked pretty good I'm like man that looks like a place where maybe one would would go up and gobble from or just kind of hang out. And it, it was the same general direction that he gobbled from, so I'm like, maybe that's where he was roosted. I don't, I don't know. And I basically just sat there until, man, like probably after 7.30. I mean, because I didn't really know exactly where he was. And I was like, well, I, I guess I want to give him time to fly down and get on the ground. So I give him a little while, and I ease down in there and – you know, it looks great. I'm pretty much instantly start seeing a little bit of turkey sign. Nothing crazy, but you know, a pretty decent amount of sign. And uh, I get to the edge of where I was talking about, where basically this this bottom makes like a almost a ninety degree turn, and there's like that corner right there, that ridge point that just it's just right there overlooking that bottom. And I ease up there, and I made a grave error because. There's this tree, there's this pine tree right there where I can sit down and I've got like a 30-yard shot to the lip of the hill. So I'm looking, I'm sitting um, basically up on the ridge looking out across this point that I'm talking about. So it's kind of like a, almost like a triangle, you know, and I'm sitting kind of at the middle of the base of the triangle looking towards the point. And the point, you know, is overlooking that bottom, like I said. And I thought it would be a good spot because, again, you know, he can he can cover that whole bottom. But also, there's like a smaller drainage that ran into it right there. So he could he could basically turn all the way to the left and gobble down there. And then he could turn in front of him and gobble up a, t- a separate bottom. And then turn to his right and gobble up another bottom. So there's kind of like three bottoms meeting right there. It's like a kind of a bowl, but not really because it's not like a, a big terrain feature like you'd expect to see. Like, this is barely something you'd pick up on a topo map. Um, especially in an area like this, it's, it's like pretty decently mountainous. Um, so I get up there and I, I screw up and I freaking knew it as soon as I sat down. Uh, but I didn't fix it because I'm stupid. But I sit down up against this pine tree where I can see and I've got this like big tangle to, like right in front of me to my right. And it's like muscadine vines and all kinds of crap just grown up. And it's like pretty much blocking a lot of the stuff to my right. But then it opens up and I'm facing like this gap where I can see most of this ridge, like the top of this ridge, this ridge point. 
I can see most of it right out front of me wide open, but I've got like a lot of cover. So I'm like, well, this is good. I'm like tucked up in this cover. They're never going to see me. But it took away, <laughs> it took away like the very, very point of that ridge is I couldn't really, I could shoot to it, but I would have to like kind of raise up a little bit and it just wouldn't be like the easiest shot. But I'm like, oh, it'll be fine. If he comes up here, he'll he'll walk past this gap where I can get him. Because there's just a little part of the ridge that I really couldn't see. Um, mm -hmm. And I sat there, and I'm like, this might be a problem. Then I was like, nah, it'll be fine. So I sit there, and I don't I don't wait too long. You know, I was trying to be very quiet getting in there. And, you know, I was pretty silent getting to that spot. And I, I get set up, I get comfortable, and I yelp a few times, just like kind of kind of a quiet yelp, not getting too aggressive with it. And uh, one thing I've been doing this year a whole bunch that seems to work pretty well is mimicking multiple hens. So I like to use a bat wing cut and I'm a, I'll, I'll, I'll take, I'll take my mouth and I'll kind of blow out the right side of my mouth where I'm hitting that cut. Um, you know, like the open side of the bat wing, you know, the right side is what I prefer. And I'll kind of hit that open spot and get like a really lighter toned yelp. And then I'll turn and I'll blow it right down the middle and get that really raspy, deeper yelp. And I'll open my mouth a little bit more and basically sound like maybe a young and an old hen. Uh, and just kind of sound like two different turkeys up there communicating. So I did that. And, uh, you know, just trying to sound natural. It's not like I'm, like, squawking off in the woods trying to get one to gobble. I'm just trying to sound like two hens just doing their thing. I mean, because they're constantly talking to each other and constantly making sounds and everything. So I'm like, well, I'll just act like that's happening. Because, again, the only reason I'm sitting here calling is because I'm in a spot where I could see him naturally coming to whether or not I'm there. So... Um, just to add like, you know, a little bit more incentive for him to come up there. I gave him that because I'm like, surely he's still right here somewhere. I mean, he gobbled right here in this general area and I don't think that he moved very far, but I don't know, but I get set up, do the Yelp. And then I hear like the, like two clucks down in the bottom beneath me. I mean, just like yeah. very, just at first I was like, was that a turkey? I mean, it was like, bow, bow. and that's all it was. And so I sit there for a minute, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I don't hear anything for a while. And then I, I do the calling again, and then I hear the two clucks again, and they're closer. I was like, okay, cool. And I sit there for a couple minutes, and I look down to my right, down into the bottom. I'm sitting right there on that military crest, and I can see all the way to the bottom to my right. And I see a turkey, well, like a big black turkey. I was like, there it is, whatever it is. And I'm like, oh, hen. And so I'm like, well, maybe this hen will come up here. And, uh, so this turkey starts walking towards me a little bit and, uh, it starts getting closer and closer and it crosses the bottom and I'm like, okay, so it's coming over here. Cause at first it was on the opposite hillside and it was walking, you know, kind of left to right. And it looked like it was going to walk up past me, but I think I maybe turned and did a little call over my shoulder to kind of pitch it over the hill and it turned and starts walking up this little, this little tiny depression that kind of comes up the side of the ridge. It hits that and starts walking up it. So I'm like, all right, this hen, this hen is coming. And she starts coming, and I can hear her walking and scratching and stuff. And then back behind her, I hear, Doom. I was like, oh. Mm. <laughs> I was like, there you go. I was like, there's a turkey with her. There's a gobbler with her. And, I, dude, I keep hearing it over and over again. I just hear, Doom. 
over and over. And dude, I'm so glad I can hear drumming now. It's so awesome. Because for years, I like I never heard it. You know. Hold on. Do you think did that just like click with you? Like ever since that last hundred percent. Here's it, dude. I guarantee. I promise you, you've heard drumming a bunch of times, and you thought it was something else. Because for a long time, I thought it was like an airplane or a truck off in the distance or something like that. Dude, like it it when you hear it it it's hard to explain. Really, I think that to hear it good, I think that you have to like watch a turkey doing it and like associate the sound, you know, with the turkey, like see when it starts and see when it ends because you can kind of tell when they do it based off their body language. And dude, like you've heard it before, I promise you, but you just thought it was like a truck off in the distance or like maybe even like a I don't know like a train engine or like an especially like an airplane you know how an airplane will have that like low drone to it mm-hmm. drumming is exactly the same way so I've I've been hearing it I've just been misidentifying it you know that's what Devin Duncan said this last strut report we talked about that quite a bit and uh, you know, he, he's, he explained to me, he's like, he doesn't necessarily think he's like, there might be some people out there that just can't hear the freak of their frequency, but he thinks there's a lot of people that just never have had a good experience and heard it like for sure. But he says he's taking guys up before that have never heard it. He gets with them and they experience it. He hit, they hear it. And then automatically the next few months they start hearing. It. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's exactly how it is <clears> for me. <throat> exactly how it is. Because you know, I'd, I'd heard somebody else say that um, before Devin on that strut report. I can't remember who it was, but I heard somebody say that on like a podcast or maybe a video or something. And so I started thinking that way. I'm like, well, maybe I should like listen a little closer. And I, there was times where I thought I could hear drumming. And then that one I just killed last week, I definitely heard it with him. And then this one, I, I also heard it. But yeah, and the spit too. I mean, the spit is like very distinct. And when, when you hear that, you'll have it in your head and you'll know exactly what it sounds like. But I mean, literally, man, I just heard that thing. Like I heard it back there so distinctly. It was like, I was like, Oh, there's the gobbler. (laughs) I was, Oh, I was pumped at this point. So remember the, like the muscadine tangle right next to me. I talked about, Mm -hmm. so I'm sitting here. And I hear this hen, and she's, like, getting closer and closer and closer. And I'm looking, and then she freaking pops out behind this tree on the other side of that muscadine thicket. And she's, like, five yards, if that. I mean, she's, like, right there. And then I see a little beard. I'm like, oh, my God, it's a Jake. And so here's this, like, little, I mean, little bitty Jake just sitting here, you know, messing around. And he was, like, right on the other side of this bush. And I look up from him, and there's kind of a row of pines right there. And there's, you know, little gaps in between them. And then I just see this big old freaking gobbler head walk right in between two of them at 20 yards. I was like, holy crap, he's right there. And so basically, then it turns into, what have I done? Because this, like, this this Jake is right here feeding in front of me at, like, eight steps. And this gobbler is standing at 20 yards. And uh, he's spitting and drumming. And for a, for a while, I could only... You know, I saw him walk up to the spot that he got to. I saw him pop through this gap, and then he just stopped, and that's when he started strutting. And for a long time, I mean a long time, I was there for 40 minutes. It was like the last one. I timed it. It was about 40 minutes. And for the majority of that time, this gobbler, I can hear him spitting and drumming, and he's right in front of me. This little Jake is right in front of me, and he's making all kinds of weird little noises. He never yelped or anything the gobbler never gobbled coming in the only noises that they gave me coming in was the jake clucked at me 
uh, he clucked twice, two times coming in. That's it. Um, which is another reason I thought he was a hen, just because it sounded like a hen. And he got up there and he's a Jake. Um, but so this gobbler's standing over there at 20 yards, and I can't see him because of trees. And I can just hear over and over and over and over again for 40 minutes, just. And he's standing there, and then eventually he maneuvers, and I'm like, looking, I'm like, is that him? And then he spits, and you, a lot of times they'll spit, and when they start drumming is when they kind of raise their fan up. And he drums, and I see his fan come up, and I can see half of his fan. I can see his basically like his left butt cheek if a turkey had a butt cheek. So um, his fan comes up, and he sits there, and he keeps just keeps doing it over and over and over again. And the Jake is sitting here the whole time, I mean right next to me for that long, and, you know, he's, like, standing there, and he's preening himself, not paying attention to anything, and he'll scratch two or three times, and then he kept doing this, like, really low, I could barely hear it, and he was five yards from me, but this, like, really, really high-pitched, very quiet whine, especially when he looked over at me, because he kind of knew I was there, but didn't really know what I was for a while, and he would, like, kind of look around, and he'd be like, but like that, but, like, really quiet, much more quiet than I just did it. Uh, which is weird. I'd never heard a turkey do that before. And he'd like look over at the gobbler, and the gobbler would look at him, and then they'd go back to doing their thing. Well, this Jake works around, and he finds this. This Jake gets works around this muscadine vine little tangle, and gets in front of me in that gap I was talking about. So now this Jake is standing directly in front of me in the wide open, and there's nothing between me and him. I mean, he's like right there at eight yards or five yards. And he's he's scratching and everything, and I'm sitting in a weird position because, you know, they kind of came up when I wasn't expecting it. And I've been holding this position for a while, and I'm, like, trying to keep my legs from shaking because he'll see me. And, you know, eventually, like, my leg twitches or something, and that Jake is like, what was that? And he stares at me. <laughs> I mean, dude, this Jake, this Jake is, like, right in front of me. Um, like, you, you've been in my house before. He is, like, mm-hmm. this Jake is, like, if you were standing at my front door, uh, my, the Jake was like standing at my back door, if that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, he's like, right, I don't have a very big house. He's like right there. And, uh, yeah, he sees me, and he just, again, stares at me and starts doing that weird little whine thing. Like, he's like, oh, I don't know about this. And now this gobbler has moved into this perfect gap, and his head is poking up in the wide open, and my gun is not on him. And, I mean, dude, his head is just wide, just big old red, white, and blue head, just right there. I mean, just like, please shoot me, please shoot me. Uh, it would have been, like, the best situation ever if that Jake hadn't been there because I could have got on him pretty easy. But that Jake was sitting there, I'm like, at this point, I'm starting to be like, this this, this isn't good because this Jake is, like, right on top of me. There's a pine tree right next to the Jake, and it gets behind it. And so I start trying to move, and he, he catches me. Because uh, he pokes his head out the other side and catches me. I was like, oh, my goodness. But he still he still just has no idea what I am. And he sits there and stares at me again. And now I'm hoping, I'm like, well, maybe this gobbler's about to turn around and walk up where I can shoot him. Because this gobbler has to take, like, six steps before he's right in the gap and right on my gun barrel. So I'm thinking that's going to happen. Doesn't happen. Jake sits there and stares at me for a while again. And then eventually, he doesn't know what I am. He's not spooked, but he just starts walking towards that gobbler. And so I'm like, okay, if they walk back down the way they came, I'm not going to be able to shoot this thing at all. And 
the Jake is walking straight towards this gobbler, and the gobbler is still standing in that same spot, strutting, but now he's moved more into this gap where I can see him better. And, uh, you know, he's, and by the way, he's gobbled twice in front of me in 40 minutes at Crows. Um, but when he'll like, he'll go down into strut, and there's this gap in the trees where it's like when he goes down into strut, his head kind of just barely goes behind this pine tree. And again, I got this muscadine vine in front of me, so he can really only see my head. He can't really see my gun and everything very good because that bush is pretty thick. So <laughs> what happened was uh, this turkey goes into strut, and his head goes a little bit behind this pine tree, and I lean to my right because this pine tree is on my right um, in between me and him. It's Like I said, he's 20 yards. It's 10 yards in front of me. It's you know 10 yards from him. It's directly in between us. He goes into strut, his head is like right on the edge of that thing. So I like lean to my right and I put more of that tree in between us. And I get my gun up and I get like shouldered and everything. And I lean back left very, very slowly. And I get, I'm like leaning and then I can see his head out from behind this pine tree. And he's like just coming out of strut. And I see his head and I get, I mean, right on him. And I, you know, pull, I, I do the trigger control and everything. I took my time with it and I shot. And I just see like a, a a brown cloud just erupt. I was like, that can't be good. <laughs> and then this turkey just flies away. And I just like kind of sat there with my mouth open for a second because I can't believe that it's not dead. I'm like, what just happened? Like I didn't know. I had no idea what happened. And so then I like rack it and I run over there like a crackhead, like looking for this turkey that's not there. And because uh, I'm like, maybe there's another turkey. Maybe he's flopping off the side of the hill. Because I just can't believe that I didn't kill it. Because I was like, I was right on him uh, with the red dot and everything. No turkey, no feathers, no nothing. And so after a little temper tantrum, I threw down my hat and said some cuss words and, and sat there and feeling sorry for myself for a minute. I went back to the tree that I sat on and I sit down and I look back where I shot him from, like, like the lane that I shot him through and this poor pine tree has just like a chunk missing out of the side of it. And I was like, dang man, I just scalped that pine tree. And sure enough, I literally just blew the side off a pine tree. Did I mean, I didn't even touch him. Dang. Yeah. And how close was he when you shot? You think he's 20 yards. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I feel, I feel really stupid. So what, what ended up happening? One of two things happened. Either I leaned over, and when I shot, I was in an awkward position. I either pulled right, and I, I mean, I missed by like half an inch to an inch. I mean, it wasn't much, but uh, I either pulled right, which is definitely possible when I shot, is that usually I tend to pull right, or I didn't lean over quite far enough, and I just could see his head, and I just I didn't notice that the pine tree was still blocking so much of my pattern. Uh, so one mm -hmm. of those two things happened, but I mean, the pine tree caught about three quarters of my pattern. Uh, and then I found some other trees downrange where some other pellets had hit it. And I, I mean, maybe I, I touched him with a couple of them, but I didn't even knock a feather off of him. Mm. So, man, I felt really terrible. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, dude, I've been there. That sucks. That really does. Especially when you get him that close, like he's pretty much dead to rights. Like all you guys do is just execute and something, you know, this always happens. But, uh, oh yeah. Well, oh, crap. Well, what, what's your plan for the rest of the rest of Alabama season? Cause you don't have a whole bunch of time left. Mm -mm. Well, so it, 
with this turkey I just missed and the last one I killed, they did the same exact thing. They just got on this knob and they sat there and they weren't really responsive to much. They just kind of stood there and did their thing for a while. And so, I mean, I'm by no means like a like super seasoned, you know, awesome turkey hunter. I've just had a pretty good year this year, but um, I think that it seems to me like they have these areas that they're going to that they don't want to leave uh, because it seems, I don't necessarily think they're call, call shy. I don't, because I mean, you hear hens out in the woods this time of year and they're just like being as vocal as ever. Uh, so I don't think that they're really call shy. I think that maybe, you know, again, maybe the receptive ones are all dead or most of them are dead. Maybe, uh, maybe they are more skittish because of hunting pressure and they just, you know, don't want to, you know, cover more distances like that to, to come to you. But what I think it is, uh, mainly is I think that they've spent all spring, you know, doing this dance with these hens, you know, getting hens to come to them. And I think that they've maybe found spots that are good for them to gobble from, you know, again, they've had over, over a month, two months of gobbling and breeding hens and everything. I think that they found spots where they're like, if I go there and just stay if there's a hen around, she'll hear me, and if she's receptive, she'll come to me. So I think that they just know that if they go to this spot and gobble from it, that they're going to, you know, have a hen come to them, so it's really hard to call them off of that spot. Uh, and, that I mean, that's what these did. And this turkey, one interesting thing about him, before I missed him, is that, like I said, he stood there right on the edge of this ridge. You know, actually, a good way to explain it is if you look at your bed, okay, if you're looking at like your mattress, if you look at like one of the bottom corners of your mattress, he's like standing on top of your mattress and he's like he's like gobbling down off your mattress into the bottom. So if your mattress is like the ridge, that corner, and you've got like a bottom going one way and then you got a bottom going the other way at like a 90 degree angle right there, he was standing right on the edge and he would like turn to the right and he would spit and drum down there. He wasn't gobbling, but he'd spit and drum that way. And then he would turn and gobble right off the point of it, or uh, spit and drum right off the point. And then he turned to his left and spit and drum right off of that point. And he's just like sitting up there displaying himself. He's fanned out. He's spitting and drumming, which I'm assuming turkeys can hear from a pretty decent way. And he's just like he's in that spot where he's like he can be seen from a pretty decent way. He can be heard from a pretty decent way if any hens are down in those bottoms. And so he's, I guess he's thinking like, why would I leave right here? Like, why would I come to you? Um, cause they've done the dance enough this year where I, I think that, I think that's what's going through their head. Obviously I don't know, but I mean, it makes sense in my head. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a cool experience again. Well, let me ask you this. What, what's your biggest takeaway from that setup? Uh, well, one thing is don't obstruct yourself so much. Um, another thing is, with the uh with not only this turkey that I missed, but the one that when I was hunting with Clay a couple of weeks ago that busted me at eighteen steps. Mm-hmm. If you can't I'm I'm like so afraid to move on a turkey when I can't see it. Like I know they're coming in. I know they're close, but I can't see them. I'm so afraid to like adjust because I'm afraid I'm gonna get busted before they come in that I just I know that I'm not ready for them to pop up where they might pop up, but I just like sit there anyways because I'm afraid to get busted. Where in both, you know, this one that I missed and the one that busted me with clay, I I knew probably where they're about to pop up at, and I just didn't 
turn my gun to that way because I'm like, oh, I don't know if they can see me right now. And uh, I don't know. It's it's messed me up twice this year. So I think that next time I'm just going to try and not swing my gun over there but just start moving it very, very slowly because uh, that's definitely – I mean, it's just bit me in the butt twice now. Bad. So uh, mm-hmm. I think that that's probably one of my biggest takeaways. That and I'm starting to do this thing where – I'll look at the whole season, and I've started doing this. I'll have to, I'll have to send you the link. Uh, but I'm starting to put together a map on CalTopo where you can, you can share links with your buddies, and they can see your map. Where I'm putting, uh, basically, um, a pin in every spot where a turkey has, like, where he's set up to gobble or set up to spit and drum. Basically, like, I, I would call it like a like a display area, I guess. Um, basically a spot where he's like strategically putting himself to find hens or to like, you know, you'll see him get up on top of a ridge off a knob and gobble off of it a couple times or they're sitting up there spitting and drumming. So I've taken all those instances over the entire season where it seems like a turkey has found a spot that he wants to be and then stayed there and displayed or gobbled and I'm putting pins on them and then I'm looking at you know, things like cover type, I'm looking at topography, and lately I've been looking at LIDAR because a lot of the state of Alabama has uh, gotten a, a lot better LIDAR now, and if you want to know how to do that, you just go to CalTopo, and you uh, you go to, you change your base map from like hybrid, like Google layers, you change it to hillshade under normal, so it's normal hillshade, and that gives you the LIDAR. And you can really, really see what the land looks like for a lot of counties now. I mean, a couple counties have really crappy LIDAR data, but some, dude, I'm talking, you can see the, like the 100-year-old logging trails cutting through the woods. I mean, it's like very, very fine resolution stuff. Uh, so, you know, thankfully in the areas I'm hunting, I've got that available to me so I can really, really see what the landscape looks like and explore that on a map. So I plotted all these locations and I'm looking at it, and I'll be danged if like, Every one of them is on a spot where this bird is like on a knob overlooking an area where two creek bottoms come together. I mean, it's like every dang one of them that I've plotted this year is like that. So, again, I'm not like a turkey expert, but like my profession is like a a geospatial kind of thing. So I work with maps a lot. And so it's just the way my brain works is, is you put like a spatial attribute to everything and uh dude i mean it's like every one of them is on a place where two creek bottoms come together especially where it's two significant creek bottoms or even just two small creek bottoms just where he can get in a spot and you know turn and gobble into one bottom and then turn to the other way and gobble into a totally different bottom that's spots where almost every single one of these pins are at so that has been very interesting to see after this year i mean that's probably my biggest takeaway from this whole season is seeing that over the over the course of the season. One thing I was going to ask you <clears throat> when you were talking about that bird that got one time and then you kind of started moving down to him after, you know, a little bit of time had passed. Uh, you know, when it comes to, like, you being in the field, would you rather have, if you could only have one, would you rather have an aerial map to get in on the turkey or would you rather have a topo map? Well, I'm going to have to say topo because – Onyx Maps basically took away satellite images because they did summertime photos, and you can't tell anything about... I mean, unless it's just like a barren clear cut, you can't tell what it is on the satellite photo. So, I mean... And I am I use Onyx because I save my, on, my offline maps and everything. 
uh, and that's just what I'm using out there because I don't have any service. So I've been relying 100% on topo maps, and I mean honestly, I think it's I think I'm a little bit of a better hunter because of it. I mean I, I've learned so much about birds and topography this year that I feel right now like extremely confident going in on certain terrain features and finding a turkey. No. That answers that question. So I think that's pretty kind of, you know, that's kind of cool that, you know, you, you know, at first, you know, probably were pretty pissed about the whole, well, I mean, most people were pretty pissed, pretty much everybody there that was, was pissed at Onyx for doing that, but making you to pretty much force you to have to use the topo maps, I think have really paid off. Cause I mean, you absolutely, I feel like you've learned so much this year about where turkeys wanted to be roosted wise and how you could get in on them and, you know, set up in these spots and, you know, get birds to come in or just find those birds in these areas that doesn't make sense for them to be roosting. So, yeah, I think yeah. That's, that's pretty killer. Yeah. I mean, dude, this year, basically since, uh, since the, since when me and you hunted together, almost every single hunt after that, I've either killed a turkey or had a chance of killing a turkey, either got busted with one. And I've had a turkey in range Every single hunt after that, except two, and one of them was with Tiffany. So, <laughs> yeah, there's that. Um, I just, I don't know, man. I feel for the. I mean, this is something that I've been trying to get for years now because, again, I'm like a map guy, and just the way that, I, and I think people can relate to this. The way that our schedules work out a lot of times, I can't necessarily go and put boots on the ground in every little spot that I want to, you know, go hunt. And uh, so for me, it's like hugely important that I can look at a map and kind of have an idea of what I'm getting into and maybe and maybe shave off a lot of time that would be wasted, you know, going to areas that just aren't productive. If I can just, you know, if I can just identify an area that's going to at least hold turkeys on a map, then I have a huge advantage because I'm not wasting time when I'm actually get the time to go drive all the way out there and go walking around. Uh, I'm not wasting time trying to find them. I'm already on them by the time I get out there. So the mapping thing is like, I put a lot of time into trying to figure out mapping stuff. And this has been going on for years now. And for the first time, I feel like I finally have the confidence to really like look at a map and have a really good chance of going in and getting on a turkey. Um, so I'm going to hunt hard this week because it's the last week. And I, I mean... I'm going to keep just putting these things to the test that I think will hold water. Like the whole thing about, you know, them gobbling into, or, you know, displaying slash gobbling into two different bottoms. I've got several pins around that I feel like are going to be really productive spots. So I, I got basically one more week to test this in Alabama. So we'll see how it does uh, later into the season. Awesome. That's exciting. Well, uh, Again, I'll, I doubt I'll be able to get out any of this season, but it's all good. No big deal. I mean, already looking for the fall and everything else we got going on this summer as well. So Yeah, pumped up for deer hunting. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll say one thing real quick about Onyx. Um, everybody was angry with Onyx because, and rightfully so, because they uh, they basically changed their system to where a lot of us, especially in the South, have summertime aerial images now especially throughout most of alabama and most of georgia that i scout at least it's all summertime photos which means that everything is green i mean literally it's just like a green carpet you can't tell anything you can't tell what the hardwoods are you can't tell how old a cutover is just because of how it, again how it looks i mean it's just 
it takes away a lot of ability to see things. You can't see where a creek bed is through the trees because it's all leafed out. So I I wrote out some of you saw this on the probably the Run and Gun Whitetail Hunters page or Hunting Beast uh, page where I wrote them like a very long detailed email like hey this is garbage like we literally can't use this anymore blah 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 and explain to them why and again like I I work in in kind of that field uh, like geospatial stuff again like maps basically uh, so I'm like I'm really familiar with how Onyx works and how they produce their app and, and where they get their data from and everything. So I, I kind of emailed them from that perspective and was like, hey, why is this happening? And they gave me a great response back. And so I shared that on Facebook and it got a lot of attention. I mean, a bunch of people commented on it and it got people from Onyx's attention. Uh, so a guy from Onyx actually commented on that. They said that they had read every single comment on the whole thread and then um, I've actually had two people from Onyx, including their senior product manager, actually reach out to me um, and directly asking how they can make their app better and uh, asking where they can get good wintertime photo because, like, you know, anybody out there who in Alabama works in any kind of GIS-related field, you know, it's it's a pretty small field, so a lot of people know each other. And I happen to know a couple people at certain companies in Alabama that produce wintertime aerial photos and so I was, I was able to give the, um, the guy from Onyx some contact info for those people and they're actually working on it right now reaching out to these different companies trying to get some deals uh, to go out and get this you know leaf off wintertime imagery that'll be very useful for us and some of this imagery that they're trying to get I've actually worked with before on like a Outside of hunting, it's not on a hunting app or anything, but it's on some, like, government sites. And I actually put together some of these maps for these government sites. And, th- dude, this, this aerial fro- <laughs> this these aerial images are, dude, they're the real deal. I mean, in some places, they're, like, a three-inch resolution, which whatever, you, whatever you're used to, three inches better. I mean, it's, like, not much out there is three-inch resolution. So, uh, basically, it's going to range from, like, three to nine-inch if they go with that company. But hopefully... Hopefully that that's able to happen. Uh, I just wanted to let people know that you know we're not associated with Onyx, but they're 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 like directly you know asking me how to make it better. You know, a Southern hunter, and they're they're directly you know reading these comments on Facebook and everything, taking people's input, and I think that's pretty dang cool of a company that size. So I'm pretty excited to see them you know reach out to me like that and and take all those comments into consideration on Facebook. I mean, because there was like 200 comments on that thread, and they read every single one of them. So I'm excited to see what they come up with. But hopefully they get their crap in line because, you know, their app. I, I mean, I flat out told the guy, I'm like, dude, your app is almost useless now. I mean, I use it for, for uh, property lines, but other than that, I mean, I, I, have, I have no use for Onyx anymore. It's a, it's a topo map now. And I can get better topo maps on other apps, you know, so, or at least the same quality topo maps on other apps. So, yeah, that was a little long-winded, but I just wanted to update people on that. Well, dude, they just need, listen, I know you got hired on with this firm up here in Birmingham, but dude, they just need to hire you on and just be like, hey, now, someone in the field that can actually relate with some of us with the connections. <laughs> if anybody so. from Onyx is listening, I'd love to, to work for Onyx. Although I would not, I don't, man. I don't want to move to Montana. I like Alabama too much, which everyone's probably like, that's stupid. But I don't know, man. I like Alabama. So, dude, if on, if anybody from Onyx is listening, if you want to, like, give me a job and let me work remotely from Alabama, that would be 
pretty slick. <laughs> that would be pretty yeah. slick. Uh, but yeah, oh yeah, I don't think we've talked about that either. I'm moving back up to Birmingham. So yep, yeah, so you got, that, got a firm up here. Got a firm up here. Got you on board. So that's gonna that's gonna be exciting. Get you back up here, dude. It's gonna be exciting. Dude, oh, I'm so dude. fired up. <laughs> uh, I'm so, oh my god, I'm so ready. I'm uh, so ready, Tiffany, man. Tiffany is so ready for Jacob to be over there every Thursday night. It's gonna be a good time. Oh, dude, Thursday <laughs> night beer night or something like that. I'm telling you. Oh, dude, yeah, we're gonna have a good time, dude. I ha- dude, I haven't lived close to you in like three years or something, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, for real. Is it, we start <laughs> we started the podcast after I moved away, didn't we? Mm, yeah yeah for sure yeah we started yeah we started just as you were getting ready to move so man i'm telling you yeah i'm I'm ready to be back this whole podcast thing's gonna be easier the audio quality will dramatically increase because now you know barring some like scheduling conflict we'll be able to record in person every week oh dude, it's gonna be awesome i'm so fired up for it <laughs> oh dude it's gonna be awesome. i'm gonna get to hunt my old stopping grounds again it's gonna be awesome can't I, dude? I can't yep. wait. Easier drive to Gunnersville. We'll go up there and tear up the crappie. Ah, oh. had to have to have a monthly uh, Southern Outdoorsman like get together at at a at a local uh, facility or something. Go uh, out, grab a beer. Whoever wants to show show up. Hey, uh, that's what I'm talking about. Hey, and we can do that scouting workshop if as long as the freaking pandemic goes away. Oh yeah, God for sure. Yep. But anyway, yeah. Hey, we need to hurry up and get past that thing because I'm ready to start watching some more UFC fights. This is driving me crazy right now. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, anyways, um, I think that that about about wraps it up, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah, for sure. Slick. All yeah. right. Um, everybody out there, thanks for listening. If you haven't already, please share us with a buddy. Also, always, always, always drop us uh, your comments and everything about what you think we should be talking about. We're kind of winding down turkey season a little bit. We'll probably do some more turkey episodes. But other than that, we're going to start moving into the summer. And uh, I want to know what people want to hear about. So I'd love to get some emails or some Facebook messages or Instagram messages on, uh, do you want to hear about fishing? Do you want to hear about trot lining? Do you want to hear about uh, deer hunting? I mean, I, I don't know. Whatever people want to hear about, you know. I mean, we don't know unless you tell us. So, uh, write in with your suggestions. And we'll uh, do our best to meet them. And uh, other than that, dude, I'm looking forward to closing out this turkey season strong and uh, hitting hitting summer scouting head on. I'm ready to glass some bucks and some soybean fields. I don't know about you. Dude, for sure. Holy crap. So much to do. So much to do for this fall. It's not even funny. But it's going to be exciting, so I'm fired up for it. Yes, sir. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, We talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed for 
for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, all the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. A lot of the best deer killers in the Southeast are going to be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are going to be there. It's just, it's going to be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you, it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all going to be there and you, you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it. You're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no-brainer. You gotta be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.